Welcome to episode number 40 of Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and go a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm Justin Gordon, your host, and in this episode, we have Maria Burke, who is the founder of Pop Productions, which puts on experiences that spark delight. And these include Dessert Goals, which is a massive festival with hundreds and even thousands of people that have attended, and now Romcom Fest, which will be coming to downtown Los Angeles in June of 2019 and hopefully beyond, I assume. And in this episode, we go through so many different things related to events. If you've ever wanted to put on an event, this is undoubtedly the episode for you. I've wanted to do events for such a long time, and I'm going to go back to this episode again and again because Maria has so many insights on the entire process of putting on an event from small dinners all the way up to thousands of people attending an event. She is incredibly knowledgeable and shares so many tactics and strategies and things to think about in this episode. The show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast, and in iTunes, you can support the show Leave a rating and review and subscribe. Just search Just Go Grind iTunes or Apple Podcast. Without further ado, here is Maria Burke from Pop Productions. Maria, welcome to the show. So happy to be here. Excited to discuss so many things today. So, so many things. But first, I want to ask you, how did you get started in this whole event and experience curation thing? Yeah, totally. Well, I feel like event planning has always been my thing since I was like a kid. I was the one with the very elaborate birthday parties and (laughs) my fondest and like most distinct memory is when I was 10 years old. So I say that that is when I got started. But when I was 10, I was obsessed with who wants to be a millionaire. And so my birthday party was who wants to be a 10 And I like recruited my parents and my dad was like the host and my mom wrote all the questions and guests <laughs> walk away with up to $10 if they answered them all right. Whoa. And so that was sort of the beginning. And then in high school was like class body president planning the rallies and the prom and college planned a ton of events in different clubs and sorority and went on to intern at different event planning companies and just kind of has been a journey in figuring out knowing that I love events, but which types of events I like and trial and error sort of, but have always just loved that the mix of the creative and finance and project management and dealing with people and just kind of feel like I get to use all pieces of my brain. And then the result is like this in-person awesome experience and getting to see smiling faces. <laughs> and there's so many different pieces that go into that. Like you mentioned some of the pieces already of, like, can you take us through what that even looks like? That the process, might as well dig into it now, the process of you know planning on these events, I'm sure it's changed over time, but what does that typically look like? Where does that start to finish? Yeah, I think... It's a funny thing. I feel like when I talk to other people who work in event planning, it's like we get it in a way that other people don't. Or until they're like, when I now as friends are starting to get married, they're like, oh my God, this is what you do all the time. It's so much harder. It sounds so fluffy and fun to say you're like a party planner, but it's a lot of foresight and a lot of work that goes into these experiences. So 
the biggest part is really like timeline management and like figuring yeah. out when the event is going to be and then working backwards from that is like when you need to you know, book the venue, send out invitations, maybe you need to get permits, um, how many people are coming, who's taking pictures of it. There's so many little factors that go into it. And so it's kind of mapping out this big timeline of everything and then negotiating with the vendors on pricing, keeping track of the budget, uh, marketing the event. I don't know. There's so many different areas <laughs> of it. How, like what are the decorations? What's the food? And you can kind of go as simple or as elaborate. And what I've come to realize, it's like whether the event is like a 10-person dinner or like a 5,000-person festival, it's like the same kind of level of detail that almost needs to go into it. Yeah. And if you don't mind, like to kind of go further into both of those. So something like a smaller, you know, 10-person dinner, because I've actually thought about this for like entrepreneurs and meetups and stuff. What would that process look like for something smaller like that, more intimate? Yeah. So in a similar way, it's like, I think one of the first thing in planning an event is like, what's the goal? So say the goal is you're looking to bring together like all the people you interview on your podcast. You want to get a a space for them to come all meet is what's the goal? What city is it going to be in? Like, is it in LA where you are? Okay. That's the first thing. And then in LA is like, what neighborhood do you want to go (laughs) to where this could be and how many people it's going to be for and what is the format? I think for a lot of events, even a 10 person, the venue is like one of the hardest factors because With the venue then come so many other components like, do you want to be able to bring in your own food or does you want the food to be there? Do they have like a minimum spend per person? The goal and like venue is kind of the first big things in any event. And budget is another one of those first criteria, I would say. (laughs) And then like who the guest list is and thinking about the invitation And then what's happening at the event? Like, what is the food? What is the drink? What is the run of show and the program? What time do you want people to arrive? What happens there? Is it just kind of a free for all? Is there like, you know, the first 30 minutes is mingling and then you give a speech (laughs) and then you sit down. What's the playlist? So those are, those are some of the things that would go into a 10 person dinner. And honestly, those same things then go into the thousand person day as well. Um, So it's kind of a lot of the same steps that go into planning an event, no matter the scale. Yeah. And to that point of like, even like a small event. So what are some of the challenges that typically arise? I imagine getting people, well, figure out how many people are actually going to come because you can have the guest list, but if people can't come or they do come, that changes maybe the venue potentially. Is that one of the challenges? I'm just curious on what that would be. Yeah, I don't know if it would change the venue as much. I guess it could depending on the type of event. But I think guest count is definitely a challenge. Weather is often a challenge with events. Like if it is outside or even if it is inside and it's raining, that will change your guest count often. (laughs) Yeah, I think the kind of expecting some drop off is sort of normal with any event, I would say. Yeah, and then with a big event, so I might as well might as well talk about dessert goals here. How does that process work, and what's the planning like for that? Because it's a much bigger thing, so it's it's similar format, but what are the differences then potentially with that? Yeah, so my events company is Pop Productions, and for the last few years now, I've worked with 
a range of clients on different events and dessert goals kind of started with a friend as like a fun, like, let's, you know, we love desserts and (laughs) together, let's do this thing and started as a one day experience. Like we booked a venue, um, started getting some vendors, put a Facebook event up and like, it just went viral. People like our tickets sold out right away. We had amazing press. People said it was the best day ever. And we're like, wow, <laughs> this is wrong with something. Let's keep doing it. And so we've now, in the last two and a half years, we've planned seven festivals, five in New York and two in LA, and have grown it from a one-day, 1,000-person festival up to four days and 6,000 people. And it's just this like indulgence of all things sweet and fun. So we going into planning that the biggest like the venue again the budget <laughs> yep. but one of the fun things is the dessert hunting so we curate local dessert vendors to feature and we set it up so there's no category overlap so each vendor has totally something different and special like one donut one cupcake one uh, rolled ice one matcha latte um, and everyone has <laughs> something totally different and uh, so that's that's the beginning of it. And then as we keep growing it is kind of how to make the experience more enhanced. So we have different themes of our festival. Our next one coming up is March in New York, and the theme is Party Animal. So <laughs> all the decorations will be inspired by this like animal flair. Um, the vendors make exclusive desserts with animal theme. People come dressed in costume. We even have like a dog friendly hour where people can bring their dogs to take pictures inside. And awesome. I think each time we're just trying to expand and grow upon it and make it even more fun with the same sort of goals of bringing awareness to these local dessert vendors. Yeah. And going into the first time you did the dessert goal event, what were you expecting? If you hadn't done it before, I'm curious on what your expectations were. Yeah, totally. So in some ways, like I've planned a lot of other events and different festivals and like shopping pop-ups. So I, I knew the flow and format as far as like ticket sales and promotion and getting people there. But it was the first time it ever been like just my neck on the line, if you will, or <laughs> like to be behind the client. So it's yeah. definitely a different experience, even like getting to do press and like talking about it as like my idea, as opposed to like just executing someone else's vision. But I think we really didn't know until the day we put tickets on sale and it was literally in minutes, all of our tickets sold out. And we we're like, Whoa. oh my God, what happened? <gasps> like, and we looked at angry emails. It was like, people were like, like, couldn't believe us that why would you do this and not like, why can't I buy my ticket? I don't understand. And it was hard. It was like hard not to take offense in some of it, but it was like, good problems to have, obviously. So yeah, I think that was the biggest shock. I just don't think we really understood the intensity people have around dessert, (laughs) which I have now learned. And it's pretty awesome. It's a very passionate group of people who love desserts. Yes. And I'm also one of those people. I do love my desserts tremendously. That would be very upsetting to have it. (laughs) I couldn't buy tickets. (laughs) But I'm wondering too, like, how did you decide the the number? You capped it at a thousand. And 
was there a reason for the cap? Was it literally like the venue couldn't allow anymore? Or like, what was the yeah. reason for that? So one of the ways that we format dessert goals based on my past experience organizing events and attending a lot is I wanted to set it up so there was a max amount of people in the venue at a time. And so we, all of our festivals have ticketed time slots. So you buy your ticket, like for noon, you come inside and you have an hour and a half inside. And then my voice comes over the announcement and says like, there's 30 minutes left of your time in Candyland. There's 15 minutes left, (laughs) please leave. And everyone leaves. And then we let the next batch of people come in and we set it up like that. So you kind of have more time to enjoy the experience. I feel like I've been to a lot of food festivals where you will spend like half the time waiting in line and I hate that experience. And so I wanted to give you more time to eat and enjoy and take pictures. And there's really only so much you can eat in an hour and a half. And so we curate the vendors. So there's a mix of things you eat there and then things you take home for later. So people end up leaving with like bags of desserts to continued the dessert party upon leaving. (laughs) So that's kind of how we thought about it. And then for the first year and now for all of them, it's really like how many people do we want in at a time? And we've found like a good ratio of how many dessert vendors to how many people and then um, have between like four and five time slots per day. So that's what we did for year one. And that was where we came up with like the thousand basically as the cap. Yeah. And for the, you mentioned getting some press and everything there too. What's the like marketing promotional strategy, at least for this particular one, it might differ for other ones, but what was the strategy for this initially to get the word out? Yeah. So we have had a lot of success through Facebook and really just organic on Facebook. Now we've been playing around with ads and utilizing that, but I think what's great is with desserts is they are so visual and so people are intrigued obviously by the photos and so our Instagram and pictures we take on add on put on Facebook uh, and we have it the the our business name and the event is called Dessert Goals but on Facebook we just have the event be called Dessert Fest because people see that and then they're like ooh I want to go to a dessert fest yeah and people click interested and then it shows up on other people's feeds and it shows as interested so we have kind of through a lot of like word of mouth and social sharing was the beginning of the growth and then especially the first year the story of it being like New York City's first dessert festival definitely helped in gaining press and people excited because it was the first time doing something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And what was some of that press that you got? I mean, was it like just different sites covering you? They interview you? Like what was some of that? I'm just curious. Yeah, we got to do a few interviews and some people also came to the event and did like a taping there. Like we were on a few like news channels, even like (laughs) happening in Brooklyn kind of things. But we've also got to do a lot of like little Facebook lives with like refinery 29 and stuff like that, where we have, we bring in some of our vendors and they get to showcase how they're making something. And then we can talk about the event. So it's really been a range of things. And it's just a great way to kind of reach different audiences. But I think with social media too, like we've gotten different Instagram stories now and, and in the Facebook lives and blog posts and kind of a range from like bigger press outlets to these very more like 
niche, even like influencer dogs now are a big area for us. So get reaching people through that. So all sorts of avenues. Yeah. And I was actually curious, I was going to ask about the influencer side of it. Have you done much with like influencer marketing for these events? Definitely. I don't know if I would call it influencer marketing, but like in having influencers be a part of the event is definitely been a big strategy from the beginning is we are creating this experience that's really beautiful and influencers need great content. Uh, So we have, as part of our events, we host a press hour where we bring, invite different influencers and press to come get a preview of the space. And from that, just have a lot of additional sort of social, social sharing and reach that comes from the events and beautiful content that gets made. Yeah, I mean, especially with the desserts and like you said, the, the colorful like nature of what you have, it seems like it's so easy to share. It's so visual. I was looking around the, the site and everything. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. Like, yeah. this would be an amazing thing. I'm also curious about the transition from one year to the next. How do you, one, like review what you've done in the past and decide what changes to make? And I guess would be the main thing I'm wondering from year to year. Yeah, it's been really interesting. So as Desserkles, I we started it. It was my friend and I, the mid like end of 2016, as this like let's try this thing out. And <laughs> after one event, we we're like, okay, I think we're on to something. And going into the next year, we kind of made a plan right away. We're like, let's we want to bring it to Los Angeles and do one in LA. We want to do not one in New York, but let's try doing two in New York. And like, kind of just had this vision of the growing of it and making it bigger. And so that was sort of like year 1.5. And then after that year into 2018, it was again kind of, okay, what can we do bigger? Like we're going to now make the two-day festival a four-day festival. Like we're going to move to a bigger venue and have that difference. And so it's been a lot of just in response to Um, the attendees, I think has been some of it. And then just us kind of challenging ourselves of what to do differently. But biggest change now was the end of last year into this year. I, over last year, like my events business pop productions has definitely shifted into dessert goals being the main focus is sort of haven't had the bandwidth of working (laughs) with clients in the same way as now planning three dessert festivals in a year. And my business partner also had a full-time job. And so it was definitely last year was our biggest transition point of where do we want it to go in 2019. And so kind of the, uh, we had a lot of powwows and now (laughs) I'm taking over dessert goals full-time and kind of we've split ways as partners and taking the future of dessert goals on my own. So that's sort of the biggest of going from like just a partnership and this fun side thing to now like this is a business, like we want to run it like a business and look for new opportunities for it. So definitely the biggest transition is happening right now, I would say. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Congrats on going, taking the leap (laughs) to full time. That's exciting. Who else is then going to be helping you along with this entire process with the dessert goals and everything else you're working on? Like, is it just you? Is it anyone else with you? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So before my partner and I had a very like clear split based on our skills of like, I'm very good at the 
production, logistics, the sponsors, the vendors, and she handled like the social media and the marketing. And so first was sort of filling the shoes that she had. And so have brought on like someone who's helping with social the newsletter and marketing and a designer who's helping design out our graphics and the space. So those were sort of the first hires. And then I have work with like a PR team. So most of it is like me and my laptop right now, but I bring on different freelancers to help in different roles. And then for dessert goals, we also have this like army of volunteers that are amazing who have been helping us since the very first event, a lot of them. Awesome. So a lot of them now are like volunteer leads and help in like training other volunteers or taking on other roles in preparation for the festival. So really couldn't do it without them either. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go ahead. Oh, no. Yeah. And then, and then, so for pop productions, in addition to dessert goals, now I'm launching this new event as well as a romantic comedy film festival. And so I have some of the same people who are helping with dessert goals, helping with some of the rom-com fest planning as well. That's awesome. And it's two separate cities. So, you know, New York City as well as Los Angeles. Why the separation between the two? Yeah. So I used to live in New York and now I'm actually live in the Bay Area. Uh, so I'm not even in either of the cities that I'm planning <laughs> events. But I, New York has definitely been like our biggest hub for dessert goals and we have our biggest audience. So wanted to keep doing it there. And we've hosted two dessert goals in LA. So I feel like I know the LA market pretty well. And that's definitely the home of Hollywood, obviously, and the movie industry. And so in planning a film festival, it just felt like the appropriate place to have it be for the first year and getting people on board and also looking to have desserts be a big part of the the film festival also. So have a lot of amazing dessert vendors in LA. And since we're not planning on doing an LA dessert goals this year, going to have like the whole concession stand of rom-com fest be tricked out with dessert goals vendors and have them be a big part of the festival and extra sweetness. (laughs) That's awesome. And working with these vendors, what is the the arrangements or the deals that you make with them? Like, How does that typically go for one of these events? Yeah. So our festivals are all like vending opportunities. So the vendors come and they sell at the festival. So we just charge them like a small fee to be a part of the event. And then for that fee, they get access to all these attendees to sell to. Like we take photos of them. They get included in all these press releases. So uh, it's really like just a small fee for them to be there. And then they get a vending opportunity as well as the promotional opportunities. Awesome. And so from a, the like business side of it, so you're getting a fee from the vendors. Obviously, you're getting the ticket sales. Are there also sponsors on top of that? Or is, is that just the main two things there? Those are sort of the main two things. And then sponsors is sort of the icing on the cake, I would say, is like (laughs) I've planned a lot of events over the years where we set up our budget where it's like dependent on sponsors and it's a very stressful route to go. Um, And so it's definitely like if we don't get sponsors, we'll like break even and be okay. But the sponsors make it so it's a more profitable experience. So the goal is always to get sponsors and the more sponsors we get, the better. 
it will be. Yeah. And also with sponsors kind of enhances the experience. We can do like bigger activations. There's more freebies for everyone. So a lot of my day is definitely sponsor outreach, but it is also it's the ticket sales and the vendors as other kind of revenue streams for the festivals. Yeah. And with the sponsors, what is the, I mean, how do you convince them to come on board? Like, what do you, I mean, is it just like the numbers of, you know, how many people will attend and what kind of like press and place is going to get online? Like, how do you handle that process? It's a really interesting conversation. I think it's this world of experiential marketing where some brands totally get it and some just don't like, especially now with like, Facebook ads and all these other things, some brands are very care about, you know, the ROI and how much I'm paying equals to how many sales or how many clicks. And with an event experience, you can't guarantee that at all, really. And so like, I try to be upfront with it. Like the things that we can offer is you will be in front of, you know, X amount of people, many of which are millennial audience you will, you know, be featured on our Instagram, on our newsletter. Like we can share what our reach is, but I try not to promise things because it's so hard to know. Like even if we do this amazing thing, we don't know if they're going to tag a picture of them on Instagram or go buy something. So we just try to, it's really around the experience. I think now like people shop so much based off the brand identity and this like emotion that is evoked because of it. And the brands that are doing so well, it's because they have this whole story behind it. And so we can play a part in that experience design. And that's kind of what I try to showcase to companies. And in some ways, it's a little easier over time. Like now (laughs) we have case studies and more to show, but it feels like every single event is sort of a new battle to get people on board (laughs) also. Yeah. I imagine every single time is a new (laughs) challenge for that. Yeah. You talked about the team a little bit. So you have volunteers and you have some freelancers and everything. I I love details on like how you're actually getting these people, like what sites you're going to for maybe for all of them, I guess. Like how do you build that team for an event? Yeah. So I'm involved in a bunch of women's Facebook groups that have been so instrumental for me, I feel, since first starting my business. One of them is called Dreamers and Doers. Yes. Yeah, it's amazing. And I joined before it was like a closed Facebook group is like right in the beginning of it all. And I so I whenever I'm hiring anything or have a question, I'll post it on there. There's also a group called Freelancing Females that I'm in and I posted it on that. There's a creative females of Los Angeles group that I've also posted on. I don't know even where exactly the people I'm working with right now. I can't remember (laughs) which ones I found them from, but those. And then a lot is I'll ask other people as well. Like if I have an event specific question, like I'll maybe ask other event planner friends if they have a good like day of lead and different things like that. But those Facebook groups have definitely been really helpful as far as just getting the world word out to new people. Yeah. And offering, I mean, to the volunteers. So what's making the volunteers just like this cool experience. They'll get to help with, you get some swag. Like how does that, how does that work with them? In So in the beginning we got volunteers because we were like, Hey, our event is sold out. Uh, Do you want to come? Like 
then you can uh, be here. So that was yeah. the way to get the beginning. <laughs> but now as our events grow, it's not like sold out as fast in the same way. But people, it is more, it's a lot of our volunteers are people who have been before or maybe have attended multiple times, but then they're like, I want to, I still want to be a part of Desircles, but I want this behind the scenes experience so they can get kind of a different take on it. So that's somewhere like friends of friends, like once one volunteer volunteers, then they get their friend. And then we end up getting a lot of like, we have a, like a high school key club that's sending a ton of volunteers or like sororities, people who will come in groups that will hear about it. Um, And we also will post the opportunity like on different college campuses or places to try to get the word to different organizations also. Awesome. And I know you mentioned like a timeline for kind of this, you're trying to work backwards and everything. One thing I had to ask is like, what is the typical, I say typical in air quotes, lead time for planning an event? How much time do you kind of need to do this? It's a lot of different components. Totally. It really ranges. I think, I mean, some bigger events, I would say up to like a year you could, but ours I think, again, going back to like the venue, that's the first thing is like we will book our venue at least like six months in advance would be the ideal because we want like we need a weekend. It needs to be a nice time. But a lot of the most planning, I would say, for dessert goals, especially now that we've done it more, is about like three months is kind of the most of the grind. Like the venue and getting sponsors kind of happens as early as possible, but getting, you know, rentals and permits and those things within three months is usually the timeline. Three months. Okay. So three months for that, but it could be longer, especially if you really need a big venue and something you have to book ahead of time, obviously. Yeah. And one thing is you mentioned, so obviously you're you're full-time into this now. What made you take that leap to go full-time into it? So, I mean, I took the first leap in 2014, I had been working at a few different event agencies, and then I was working at this social innovation conference, and the conference was kind of like ending and didn't seem like I was going to be hired to stay. And it was like, what do I do now? I couldn't <sighs> not really imagine doing job applications again and going through that whole route. And feel like it's always kind of been the dream was having my own event planning company. And so I figured like that, I'd just try it out. So it was like made a website, like emailed everyone I knew and said, like, I am now available to hire for all of your event planning purposes. Um, So that was sort of the first leap. And every year has been so different as far as different opportunities and events that I've gotten to work on ranging from like big clients of like Airbnb and Kiva to like smaller startups. And I think the goal has always really been of like planning events that I would want to go to. And dessert goals has really felt like that so much. It's like when I am there, it's like, this is like my childhood dream come true. And I've made it happen. (laughs) And I see all these happy people and it's just so fun. And so I've like, it's the goal has really been around this, like planning experiences that spark delight. And I feel like I'm able to do that with dessert goals. And 
instead of focusing energy on getting new clients that then are these one-off clients that nothing happens, I've just kind of decided the end of last year, it makes more sense to funnel my energy into how to grow these things that I see are working and people enjoy and how to just keep doing them and hopefully make a living doing them. So yes, before it was sort of like do the client work and then the events were my own events were like a piece of it. And now the goal is like having my own events be the main thing. So the dessert goals now it's like, I know it works and how to like keep scaling it so that it has a future and has other legs outside of what we've kind of done so far. And then inspired by dessert goals is this new idea of the rom-com fest is really like what else sparks joy and delight for people is like, personally, I also love rom-coms, especially yep. with my desserts. And so I realized there, and I, I love film and I, I go to a lot of film festivals and have been a part and I don't feel like film festivals are really as like experiential and like beautifully designed as other events are. And so kind of taking my learnings from desserts now and bringing it to this like film festival world and bringing in this really like passionate group of rom-com lovers in a similar way of dessert goals. So I don't know the how or why the leap of last year was sort of like, I have these two ideas and I need to just keep working on them. Um, so investing in myself and in the ideas for this year to see if I can scale them and make them both happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And what are some of the ideas you have to give people a preview for the rom-com festival coming up in June? June? This June in, in LA. And really, so it's going to be a mix of classic rom-coms. So we're going to have some like anniversary screenings and some good oldies and then also new films as well. So we're currently accepting submissions for uh, feature films and shorts and screenplays. So it's been really fun get, getting to watch people's submissions they've sent in and looking to showcase new storytellers throughout this. And so wanting to have these film screening as just a piece of the film festival, but also a big event experiences. So there's going to be like a dating themed party and like a PJ party, crafting, like all the desserts at the events, like been thinking a lot about the experience of what happens before and after you watch the movie also. Cause I feel like after you finish a good movie and especially like a feel good rom-com, it's like your heart is so full and happy. And then you like enter the streets of LA and you're like, back <laughs> to reality. And so like, yeah, exactly. what, <laughs> what to do right at that moment and kind of connect this community of um, people who love the same types of things. And so I've been thinking through a lot more of the experience piece of it, but we're hosting it. It's going to be a, at the downtown independent. And so we're like taking over this whole theater. It's one screen and then we have a whole lobby. And so like what to do in the lobby and, and all sorts of stuff. So kind of just like all the, my, again, of like planning events I would want to go to is like, this is totally something I'd want to go to. And so what would I like to do there? <laughs> and making that happen. Yeah, that's such a good way to scratch your own itch, you know, like to yeah. do these events and then you know, to make a living off of that is like incredible. And 
What are some of the other, I'm just curious, other ideas for events you had that you know, maybe you haven't quite done yet if you're willing to share them? Oh, I don't know. I've, I've had like a lot of random little things that I will do like one-offs of and then they kind of fizzle. But when I lived in New York, I had this idea of whiskey waffle workshops where oh. it was at this like um, brewery <laughs> and we they made whiskey and then we had waffles and then there'd be some sort of like craft workshop. And I just, I liked the WWW of it, but I love crafts as definitely I've also hosted like Valentine's Day crafternoons. And I think it's just a nice uh, feeling of like when you go to an event and you can like learn some new thing and you walk away with this little craft that you made, but you're also getting to connect with people. Yeah. But it's not that awkward. Like I'm standing here and networking, <laughs> like you have like something to focus on in between. So different kind of crafting events and experiences has always been of interest that I've like tried these one-offs and uh, I think it's just like how to incorporate them into other events maybe. Yeah, that's awesome. And and that made me think of with these events, you mentioned kind of like people networking and not having just to stand around or whatever, but how do you think about then the flow of an event and different like stations or aspects of an event to kind of facilitate people either going through the event or chatting or anything like that experience? Yeah, itself? It's, that's definitely something I think about a lot. And I always, it's like, I realize I can't go to any other event now without thinking of that wherever else I am, where I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> there's a garbage can right here. Where's the garbage can? Or like things like that. So I, yeah, I think it's a lot of like walkthroughs of the space is the easiest way to think of that. And and it's also a learning, like sometimes well, like our first dessert goals we hosted at the venue we're in now we had like too much happening at the entrance that like made it horribly congested. And then we had to be like, come on, keep walking, keep walking. <laughs> keep so, going, keep going. It's like sometimes you get it wrong and then learn. And the cool thing of doing the same event over and over is now I can adapt on that and make it better the next time. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned like people getting kind of caught up in the beginning there. Cause I went to the startup grind conference like a week ago or something. And it was this huge event in, in San Francisco and they had some stages and stuff in a movie theater and kind of funneled into, you know, how movie theaters kind of go. It funnels into this hallway and then you have all the different theaters. And it was so congested like the first day. And we were like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. I don't think they did anticipate the 8,000 people there or whatever it was. But then sure enough, the next day they had it all partitioned off differently and then it was much better flow. I was like, oh, they, they adjusted midway. Well done. So yeah. it's a lot to think about though, it seems like. Definitely. Yeah. You Sometimes you can, I, I always say that about events also. It's like kind of an, you have to be a good improviser no matter how much you plan, things are going to go off course. And so you have, part of the planning is to be ready for those moments and how you can think on your feet and adjust for it. Yeah. And with the complexity of your conference, your events being like now, like you, know, you said four days or something for the dessert goals for some of those, how does that change? <laughs> like how your, your, your mental health is during that or how tired yeah. and fatigued you are? How does that affect it? It's intense. The first time I ever did an event that long was I worked on Tribeca film festival, which was 10 days in a row. Oh, wow. was like, the whole week before that, like we were like sleeping in the office and then you're yeah. like, 
have to be full on for 10 days straight. And that was intense. I don't know. Some people I know work like on film festival circuits. Well, they'll, they'll work on one film festival and then they travel to another city and work on another and they just are fueled by that adrenaline. I don't think I can do that. I think <laughs> like two or three days is sort of my max. And I often get sick after events. It's like my body just like shuts down. It's like, okay, you need to rest now. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I think I, I, it's, that's a learning also of just like, trying to do things in advance and not be printing stuff at 1am the night before so that you can get a good night's sleep. And I always have like my, I always buy like a yogurt or a smoothie and like a little cold brew coffee that's like in my fridge. So I have it ready the next morning. Like I have a few things kind of down to help with my mental health. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. And what what is the kind of the vision for pop productions and moving forward? I know you mentioned that you want to have obviously sticking to your own events, not necessarily doing as many events for other people, like your own events and growing those. So what is like the grand vision you know, next year or two, let's just say even? Yeah, I think right now the vision for Bot Productions is really in creating these experiences that spark delight. So right now that's dessert goals and rom com fest and having them be these festivals, but then also how to have those experiences and brands in different formats. So like a dessert, different dessert goals, pop-ups or workshops or uh, like a dessert house where we have like all different vendors there. I think how to play around with these brands I'm creating and make new experiences um, is sort of the first thing. But I, I think down the road, seeing how this year goes, maybe there's like a <laughs> whole portfolio of these other experiences too and just having hopefully a team of people that's a part of it is always sort of been the goal or vision also and just be planning a lot of events in different cities that spark delight yeah and moving forward like what are the, who are the people you're looking for to help you grow? Like what positions, what types of people that you're looking for to help you grow in what areas would you need help with? I guess it's my question. I think one of the biggest areas that I've talked to a lot of people and I've just, it's never made sense yet to hire such a person, but is sort of a partnership sales role, I think is that's where I see the scalability potential of these experiences if I were to get bigger brands on board or bigger budgets. And so in, instead of it being like on my ongoing to-do list to do that, if it was someone like dedicated to making those sales, I yeah. think that's one area to like level up um, yeah. that I see. So I think that's sort of the biggest goal or need. And then the other that I'm always conflicted with is like, I really enjoy a lot of the production stuff. And so it's some, it's hard for me to delegate it often, but <laughs> yep. I think, I think that's easier to delegate than the sales stuff right now. Like, and I, I'm talking to people even right now, like usually one month before the festival, which I'm at right now is like, oh my God, I have so much to do. I just need to, I need like an assistant. So I'm like talking to a few people as like a production assistant who can just like help take some of these things off my plate. So I think if I could like delegate and have trust in someone helping with the production aspects would give me more space to do some of the sales things too. So one of yeah. those 
options. Yeah, that's, I mean, I actually uh, maybe two weeks ago, I think I maybe mentioned this to you earlier, but I, I got an assistant for the podcast a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah. yeah, Julius, if you're listening, Julius, which you have to be because you're editing this afterwards, has been phenomenal. And it's, it's so nice to have some help because then you can focus on other things, right? And really those things that you need to be doing versus other people could be doing. It's yeah. such an essential thing. It's hard for, for any entrepreneur to do because you want to do it all yourself. I'm like, oh, I can do this better or whatever. But it really allows you some space to do more important things. And I think that's incredibly valuable as I've seen because like, it took me probably seven months, eight months to get to this point. But now I feel solid with having an assistant to help me out, which is nice. Yeah, that's awesome. I know. I, I need to get there. And like, well, sometimes I am there and then it's like, it just feels so hard paying someone to do things that you're like, I could do it myself. <laughs> but yeah, it's the like pro cons of any situation. Yeah. And I don't know if there's ever, uh, if you need a virtual assistant, if, uh, I've, I've used onlinejobs.ph before repeatedly for virtual assistants and it's a totally different thing with like time with you know, different time zones and stuff, but yeah. it is something that I've used. Like the last company I was at, my friend's company, he uses a, online, a virtual assistant through onlinejobs.ph and I've used a couple now. So it is a cool kind of service to get help with at least some of the tasks, which is, which is nice. Yeah. I definitely have a lot of entrepreneurial friends who are swear by virtual assistants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a route to go, but yeah, having help in some capacity at least is, is nice. One other thing I'm kind of curious about as you've kind of gone through this this whole process, is there any resources, you know, books, podcasts, audiobooks, anything that's kind of helped you along this journey of putting on events and kind of being an entrepreneur as well? I love podcasts so much. It's definitely a regular thing. Like when I lived in New York and was on the subway and now when I'm driving, I just podcasts are always playing. I really like different business ones where you get to hear people's stories. And some of my favorites is how I built this. I yes. love so much. And it, I think he gets such great interviews and the stories of sometimes you're like, oh my God, they're so young and they've done so much. But then there are <laughs> other ones where they're like, yeah, I did this for like nine years before anyone had ever heard of it. And that makes me feel better. Um, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's one. And Work Party is another really great one by Jacqueline Johnson of Create and Cultivate. Is She's an amazing company that I'm super inspired by. And it's a event series and like a whole online component. And she has a, a podcast called Work Party and a book called Work Party. And she actually just joined as an advisor for Romcom Fest, which felt like a dream come true because I'm so impressed by everything that she's done. But she has amazing interviews that she does with other female founders. And also the Girl Boss podcast has yes. other really great female founder stories. But I also really like, as far as books, I've gotten so into recently Gretchen Rubin's Happiness Project. Um, yep. I had read years ago and I just read like her book about habits and that like, I feel like I just read it at the right time where it's been helping me a lot in like eating better and sleep and spending time with my significant other and like how to think of life outside of just the time we're on our laptops also. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> At least for me. Yeah. 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 A lot of time at the laptop. And wait, so you don't just eat sweets all day or, or what? No, what I try. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the, it's, it's pretty rough. It's like certain months of the year. It's all that I'm eating. And then 
and then suddenly I gain all this weight. I'm like, oh God, okay, now something <laughs> else differently. So trying to be a bit more regulated uh, and a little bit better habit formation. <laughs> yeah, it is tough though. I, I, it's funny because like one of my roommates uh, here in at Los Angeles, he's like trying to get into into games and gaming for after the NBA. So it's like he's doing research by playing like video games, but then also it's like wait, how long are you really going to play video games for? That's so-called research, you know? It's just kind of a, a funny dynamic there to see that and imagine similar with you and the dessert goals as well. It's pretty funny. Like I, I mean, when I buy desserts, I can like expense it. It's like a line item in my taxes. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is, yeah, it's research. It's the dessert research field. Exactly. <laughs> you have to be on top of your game. You have to know about these things, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. As we kind of wrap things up here, I'm curious if there's any parting words or advice you give to someone who's trying to put on their own events. You can think of it as me because I one day want to do events, but is there any kind of parting words you'd you'd mention to them? Yeah, I think the biggest is like just try it, like just start. I think like the only, I mean, I think that's true of starting any business or anything. It's like, it's so easy to get wrapped up in like, I don't have enough money or I don't have the time or the fear of people not coming and just like start small. Like if you want to one day have a conference, like host like a one day workshop or host a dinner or just try to get people in a room and see what the dynamic is like and learn from that. And I think everything else will kind of happen and you'll either learn like, oh, I hated that. Maybe I really don't want to do this or, oh, I I want to try this again and do something differently. But just to like give yourself like a goal to work towards and, and just do it. Yeah. Love it. And then where can people go to learn more about what you're working on and the events you have that are coming up? Yeah. So my website is pop pop productions nyc.com so pop productions nyc um and then the two businesses it's romcom fest and dessert goals so everything has its own like social and web um but then my own personal also it's maria burke um, but yeah, all, all the places, all the things. <laughs> and I will link to all of that, justgogrind.com slash podcast. We'll have the show notes and everything there. Mm-hmm. Last thing, I'm just curious if someone, like obviously you're focusing on your events and your, comp, your your experiences, but if someone like wanted to reach out and like even hire you, are you still doing that at all for pop productions or is that not as much? I think not as much unless okay. it's like an amazing opportunity or the right fit, but I'm totally open to chatting about experiences with dessert goals and rom-com fest and bringing those like i just got an email about bringing dessert goals to like art basil this year it's like cool so like (laughs) totally open to those sort of things and always happy to chat about events and experiences so your brand is looking to activate and you're looking to figure out the right way totally down to geek out about event stuff awesome well maria thank you so much for the time today had a lot of fun Yeah, thank you again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. As always, the show notes are over at justgogrind.com slash podcast. And you can support the show over at patreon.com slash justgogrind. And please, please leave a rating review over on iTunes. It does help more people find the show. Hope you enjoy this episode. Have a great day.